Good to see you here this morning, and I'm I'm glad to be here. I've been gone. I was gone for a couple weeks. Uh, two two weeks ago was October 31st. I don't like the celebration that happens on October 31st, so I'm not going to name it by name. But anyway, I was gone that weekend. I was in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, visiting my daughter, who goes to the University of Oklahoma. Went to the football game, had a great time there in Norman. And then um, the next week was a conference that 16 of us from Church and Valley went to in Fort Worth, Texas. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And then the church there, Hope Church, had asked me to stay over and speak to them on that Sunday. So I was staying there and speaking to them. They, they've been doing, I, Alex mentioned a book that I wrote. Actually, it's a sort of a study guide to the attitudes of success that you can pull out of Scripture. And their growth groups have been working through this book, and so they asked me to stay and do a message. Whoa, I didn't do it, I promise. We've got stuff happening. Thanks, guys. Um, anyway, I stayed and did a message related to sort of kind of tying things together with that. And uh, it was kind of fun. Joe Barry went on the trip and uh, found out that he's a celebrity because these these groups, uh, he didn't know it, which is better. It's better not to know you're a celebrity, but he found out the, a couple weeks ago. But uh, the groups, the the book and the movie that the Life to Life Media team put together kind of go hand in hand. You can watch the movie, and the movie was written to illustrate these attitudes of success. And so when Joel... You know, went to the conference, he heard from all kinds of people that were getting a lot out of the movie and were very encouraged uh, just to, to see the principles illustrated in the movie. It was very helpful. So it was fun. I say all that to say it was fun to know that the work that the media team, the Life to Life media team did, has been a blessing to people in other churches and halfway across the country. Several churches have been doing the, the, the book and the movie, and so uh, you guys who were in the movie, you're, you're celebrities, but it's better if you just don't pay attention to that. Just ignore that fact, you know. If you show up in certain places, you might be recognized. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's fun. So that's that's been going on. We are launching our Christmas celebration, and we're not going to just totally focus on Christmas uh, over the next few weeks, but it's going to be a part of what we're celebrating at the Operation Christmas Child today, and then we have several events that were mentioned earlier that are coming up. Next week, we're going to launch our Christmas offering. Last year, we did a Christmas offering, and we gave uh, to different uh, ministries that are across the, the, the world, and uh, one in our area, and we're going to do the same thing this year. We What we do is Everybody pools the money together, and then we give it out to other ministries who are trying to extend the kingdom. I'm, I've named this new series that we're starting today, The Government with No End. And that's, that's the kingdom of God, that Jesus, when he was born, he came to begin, to bring it in fully. And he began to do that when he was born. And so we celebrate that at Christmas time. Anyway, we're going to give our Christmas offering to uh, ministries who are working to extend his kingdom and his government and the lives of people across the, the world. And then uh, one ministry here, we're giving 60% to 
ministries out of the country and then 40% to a ministry here. We're going to give 40% of what is raised. Last year we raised $18,000. We have a very generous crew. And so that was fun to bless the different people with the, the money that are trying to get the word out about Jesus Christ and share the good news with him. But 40% of this year's offering is going to go to Christian Challenge at USC. Uh, Neil and Melinda have been working there for 23 years. A bunch of the students are here. Most of us know about it. But they, they have never had an office unless you count a corner of the bedroom, an office. And so he, they, they're, they're putting in an office into their house, and we're going to give 40% of the offering to help with uh, some sound equipment that they need, some office furniture, and then staff salaries as that. I told Neil he can divide it up however, however it works. And then uh, we're going to give 30% of this year's Christmas offering uh, to the ministry that uh, Randy, and Crystal or Paul, Randy and Crystal Paul are doing in Central Asia. And they have some needs. They'd like to do a team retreat they, in their country. They have team, team members, I think, 10 to 12. It shrunk recently. I, can't, I don't know what it is right now, but 10 or 12 team members scattered through their country. They'd like to pull them together and go on a retreat. So some of the money will be used by that. They're doing some partner development with Mongolian churches because Mongolian churches now are starting to send people to their country to help with the, the work there. And so uh, Randy wants to go to Mongolia and do some work with the churches there. And then they have some personal tra- travel needs as a family that that would help with. Uh, so 30% would go to their work in Central Asia. And then 30% we're going to send to World Missions Offering, we'll call it that. But uh, our association of churches, we have an offering we do every year called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And it's... Lottie Moon was a missionary, early missionary to China, and so the, the offering is named after her. And the money is pooled and then distributed all over uh, the, the world to different needs and ministries that are happening across the world, trying to extend the kingdom again of, of Jesus. And then uh, out of that 30% as well, we're going to give 2400 to... Uh, uh, a man that I know personally who's uh, an Indian man, Tim Shang Sharik. He is starting churches. He just moved. He was in the Fort Worth area going to graduate school, and he just moved back home. He's, he's from Imphal, the Imphal area of India, and he just moved back home to, to begin to start churches. $2,400 will support uh, one staff member for a year, and so we're going to give support to, to him. He's trying to start uh, like-minded churches throughout that country as well. So that's our Christmas offering this year. For me, it's fun to watch what God does as we set our heart to bless uh, the, the people in these ministries all through uh, out the, the area here and then the world. And so I'm looking forward to that. That's what really what Christmas is all about is getting outside of ourselves and, and, and giving. And so we're, we're digging in today to look at the government with no end. Since this is a, my daughter starts listening to Christmas music on November 1. So that's when her Christmas celebration begins. You know, clicks over October 31st, next day, boom, she's got Christmas music blaring all over the place. So that's what we're doing. We're going to begin to look at 
what Christmas is all about, celebrate it, and then raise this offering and have different events to focus on on who Jesus is and what he's all about. He came to start the government with no end. That's what you find out in Scripture. And in any government, the one who rules it determines what it's going to be like inside of it. And so we're going to look at Scripture that tells us what the king is like. Because the the character of the king is going to determine what it's like to be in his kingdom. And so that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. We're going to we're going to discover the kingdom the government with no end is ruled by a king who is wonderful. In Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, it lists several names of the the king of Jesus. And they're like throne names in in this day and age. They would have a throne, and then above the throne, they would list the throne names of the king that would characterize him, that would, that would speak to his character. And so here are the names of Jesus that are listed in this passage. He's, he's wonderful. We're going to talk about that today. It's, it's hard to describe what that word, there's a lot to that word in the Hebrew. It was originally written in, but we're going to, we're going to look at it. Counselor. We, we have access to the throne. We have an all-access pass to the king who can sympathize with us and give us what we need at any given moment at a time. He's mighty God. He, he is able, not only does he sympathize, but he's able to help us. He's able to give us, he has the power to help us work through the struggles and the battles that we're facing. Everlasting Father. Now this may be confusing. As we read the passage, it says, Friend us, a child is born. A son is given. And then one of his names is Everlasting Father. But the idea in that is, is this. Galileo is considered the father of modern science because he made breakthroughs that opened up a whole new realm of study. And that's the sense in which Jesus is. It's more, a better translation would be Father of Eternity. In other words, the one that broke open a whole new realm of eternity for us. That, that's the sense of that title in that passage. And then he's the Prince of Peace. Life is good under his leadership. I don't know how much you've thought about this, but every once in a while I begin to think, what if God wasn't good? What if he made us and he just decided to toy with us? He just, he just decided to make us and, and do all kinds of experiments with us. And arbitrarily decide different things. The ruler of the kingdom in which we live determines the experience we're going to find in that kingdom. God is good. And so as you, as you come under his rule, as you give yourself to follow him, he takes all the stuff that's going on in your life and he weaves it together for good, for his good purpose. God is good, so life can be good as you decide to follow him and set your heart to do what he, want, what he wants. I don't know how much you've thought about that, but I've thought about that a, a bunch. How, wow, God, I am so grateful that you are good. We sing songs, God, you're good. God, we, we honor you for who you are. If he wasn't good, if he wasn't who he is, life in his kingdom would be very different. 
And so we, we, we're going to dig into these names and realize that because of who he is, life can be really good as we set ourselves under his rule to follow him in our lives. So as we prepare to celebrate Christmas as a church family uh, on the 21st and then through this next season, we're going to be learning about the king and the way he rules as we set ourselves under his rulership in our lives. This week, we're going to focus on the fact that the wonderful king stepped into our world. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, this is a key passage. It looks forward to the birth of Christ, and it's telling the people of the day that Isaiah lived and us what we can expect out of this king. For unto us, a child is born. The sense of this is he's born for our benefit. He, he, he was born... Uh, to be a blessing to us. And the angel who made the announcement of Jesus' birth to the shepherds echoes these words. That the angel said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He's a gift from God. The child, the word child speaks of Jesus' humanity. The, the word son speaks of his divinity. He was both fully God and fully man. And, and that is amazing, really. We're going to talk about that. And the government will be upon his shoulder. The kings wore a sash, which was a symbol of their kingdom. They wore a, a robe on their shoulders that symbolized them. The government will be upon his shoulders, not only the symbol, but he carries the weight. He takes responsibility for those in his kingdom. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, God is going to make this happen. As I've, as I've been in ministry for over 20 years, actually been trying to do ministry for longer than that, I, I hate to mention how long, 30 plus, I've learned that it's more about what God wants to do than what I try to do. It's more about what he wants to do than what I'm trying to accomplish. God does what he wants to do, and he's saying here, I'm going to do this. I'm going to establish this government that is not going to have an end. And inside of this government, if you decide to follow Jesus as king, you're going to experience peace that will keep expanding and growing. It'll be unlimited. The kingdom will keep growing and expanding, and so will the peace that you experience in it. God is good, and so we we can experience good things inside of his kingdom. Let's skip over. I want to skip over to the book of Hebrews, which is... In the New Testament, that's a passage from the Old Testament that was written before the life of Christ. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is sort of like a link to the Old Testament to help make sense of Jesus and who he is in light of what the prophets in the Old Testament and uh, uh, the history of the Old Testament says. So I'd like to go to Hebrews 1 to pull some other things out about the, the ruler of this kingdom. Hebrews 1 says, In the past... God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So you see the flow. The son, he steps into history and God speaks through him. The idea here is there's this progressive revelation, a gradual unfolding by God of who he is throughout our existence as people, as human beings. So it's sort of like daybreak, like sunrise. You know, you, you see the, it's, it's, there's darkness, and then the sun begins to peak over the horizon, and you begin to see it, a glimpse, and then it keeps rising, and then after a time, it's in full view, and the beams of the sun are shining on you, and you can, you can see it clearly. That's the picture in Hebrews 1. That God has been unfolding who he is. He's been revealing it over the history of the human race. And now, in Jesus Christ, you can see God in full view. It's clear who he is. If you want to know God, you look at Jesus Christ. If you want to know how he would handle something, you look at at how he handled. This is very tired what would Jesus do? WWJG, very tired. We've heard that a lot, but it's actually very, very right on. That's what we should, if you're deciding to follow Christ, that's what you ask. Because he is the full picture of God. He is God. And he shows us who he is. So there's this progressive, gradual sense of revelation until, boom, Jesus Christ comes on the scene and we see God in full view, and he reveals himself to us. This should be our reference point. If if you look at the world and what's going on in the world, the muck and the mud and all the stuff that's going on, and try to make sense out of God and from, from the reference point of the world and the people in it, it doesn't there's it leads to confusion. But if you start with what God has shown us about himself, and this revelation in Jesus Christ, there's, you can know enough about him, you can know enough about the way he rules the world and the way he works to make sense of what's going on in it. So that's, that's another part of what's saying is, here he is, let's interpret what's going on through him. So he, he, he is the full revelation of God himself, Jesus Christ is. So from these two passages, Isaiah and Hebrews, we can see these characteristics. First of all, he's amazing. And I I hesitate to try to explain this word wonderful to you because I don't don't know that I can do it justice. But here's, in, in the Hebrew, it's hard to just use one English word to nail this down. But here's the sense of that word wonderful. It has the sense of miraculous. There's this miraculous sense. You don't know how something is done. You don't know how it was accomplished. Something separated from the ordinary course of events that brings amazement, wonder, admiration, 
It's separated from the usual. It's extraordinary. In Jesus, we get a glimpse of the infinite stepping into finite history. The, 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 the eternal God stepping into our history. And it's amazing that he's done this. It's amazing that he stepped into our world. And it's, it's really beyond our comprehension, which is another sort of facet of this word wonderful in the Hebrew. It, it means difficult to understand. You know, we, we people, we get uncomfortable with things we can't understand, especially in the spiritual realm. You know, we, we want to be able to ratchet down everything we're going to believe. There's, a ten, there's something in us. We just want to, we want to nail it down so we can really believe it. But there's, there's a sense that God is so beyond us that we're not going to completely grasp him. We're going to know, we, he's shown us enough about himself, especially in Jesus Christ, that we can connect with him, that we can experience the goodness, the joy, the peace, the righteousness in his kingdom. But we're not going to be able to ratchet him down and understand it. Do you want a God? I, I don't want a God that, I can, that thinks like I do. Boy, I really don't. Do you want a God that, that you, you pray, oh God, would you help me figure out what's going on here? Would you really help me know what the best thing to do is? And then you hear back, you got me. Your guess is as good as mine. You, you, we don't want a God who's limited to our, our brain power, our way of thinking. And there's a passage in Romans, Romans 11.33 that that talks about how he, his ways are unsearchable, his paths, you cannot trace them out, his judgments are unsearchable. We don't know how he is organizing, running things, and, but he does. And so we, we just come to the point where we trust. That, that's all wrapped up in this sense of the word wonderful. And not sure I did it justice, but that's, that's the idea. He's amazing. His government never ends. His kingdom is spiritual. Now, this threw the Hebrew people when Jesus was born because they were expecting a political king, and he wasn't intending to be a political king. That's not why God sent him. He's the, he's the king of a spiritual kingdom. A definition of the kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts of men and women. And so when you and I, when we decide to follow Christ, the kingdom of God enters our hearts in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it begins, it's like Jesus described it, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, very, very small seed that grows into this huge tree. That, that's the kingdom of God. It starts in our hearts. We experience it individually like this. Jesus comes into our life. You decide to follow him. He enters into your life. And you begin to experience the kingdom of God because now you have the power to live differently. And as you continue to follow him, from, from that point on through eternity, it just opens up and goes on and on and on, all through eternity. It's increasing. His, the increase of his government, there is no end. The increase of the peace that you experience. When you, when you decide to let him rule, there is peace. And, and once you've decided to follow Christ and you begin to wrestle with different things, and you decide, and say, say you're wrestling, oh, you know, I know here's my way, this is what I want to do, but I know this is what Jesus would want. 
as soon as you settle in your heart that you, whatever it takes, I'm going to do what you want, God. Whew, peace again. That's, that's when he rules, there's this sense of rightness. There's this sense of peace. Things are well with us. They're good with us. And that, that's what you experience in his government. Of the increase of his government peace, there, there will be no end. It's growing, it's ever-growing, and it's unlimited. It just keeps opening up all through eternity. He's the creator and owner of the universe. It says in Hebrews, His Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe, talking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the creator of humanity who took on human clothing at, at his birth, which is an amazing thing. Here's something uh, Philip Yancey wrote. I'm, I'm quoting him just, just to give us a taste of what this must have been like for God. But he says, how did Christmas Day feel to God? Imagine for a moment becoming a baby again, giving up language, muscle coordination, and the ability to eat solid food and control your bladder. Maybe you don't want to imagine that. God as a fetus. I mean, this is, this is the sense of wonderful. God as a fetus, he says. Or imagine yourself becoming a sea slug. Maybe that's a better analogy. That analogy is probably closer. On that day in Bethlehem, the maker of all that is took form as a helpless, dependent newborn. That is wonderful. That's the sense. He stepped into this world, and took on humanity, God himself. That's, that's the heart of Christmas, God doing that. He's the creator and the owner of the universe who stepped into our world. He's the complete re- uh, revelation of God. He's the radiance of God's glory, the idea of the beams coming from the sun, the exact representation of his being. That, that word exact reputa- representation is is the word we get our, our English word character from. And it, it's just, it's an engraving, it's like a, an engraving tool where it has a character or a letter on this tool and you put it down and the exact representation of what was here shows up on whatever you engrave. That's the idea. Jesus is God. He's the exact replica, replication, the exact representation of God himself. He, the world is sustained... By his powerful word. If he gave his word, this is the idea here, and you get a sense of his power. If Jesus gave his word, the entire universe would fold back into nothing. It's, the reason it's continuing to exist is because he's commanding it to do so. This is the one who made us. He is Savior and Ruler. After he had provided purification for sins, which is why he came, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that was lost. You find in the Bible that God made you and I, put us here, because he wanted to have a genuine relationship based on love, a genuine friendship with the people he's made based on love. But we decided to go our own way, to rebel against him. That cut us off from knowing God personally. So what God does over and over again is he keeps pursuing a friendship with you and I. He keeps pursuing us, wanting us to connect with him 
and come to know him in that way. And that's why Jesus came. He came to provide purification for our sins. Sin is not just, you know, getting forgiveness from God for your sin is not just about feeling better and getting over the guilt. It is restoring a relationship with God whom you've offended, whom you and I have offended by our rebellion. Because when something is made, it's only right for the thing that's been made to do what the maker made it to do. And when we rebel, we're, that's an offense to God. And Jesus stepped into history to pay the price for our sins, to, to, buy it, to, to pay the price so that we could have a relationship with God once again. So after he did that, after he stepped into our world, provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. He returned to heaven, and now he rules. It's an amazing thing that God has done. It's wonderful that the king stepped into our world, and now those of us who follow him, we do the same. The king's people step into their world and serve. I want to wrap up with this passage, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So those of us who follow Christ, our attitude should be the same as his. He set aside his own importance, he emptied himself, and he took on the nature of a servant. He stepped into our world to serve us so that we could know God, so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And that's what we do as we follow him. We, we in, in situation after situation, at home, in your marriage, with your kids, in, at work, at school, with your friends, in, in church life, Situation after situation, what God calls us to do, what he wants us to do, what pleases him. And the way that we're going to experience life in his kingdom to the max is we lay aside our own importance, we empty ourselves, and we take the very nature of a servant to try to meet the needs of those around us. And in that way, we represent God who made us. And it doesn't make sense in our human minds, that there is real fulfillment and joy in doing that, but it is. That's where it's found, in laying it aside, setting your heart to serve, to meet the needs of those around you. This is what we do. People have the uncanny ability of being in the same room with other people and then kind of existing in their own little world. But the Scripture says our attitude should be like that of Jesus Christ, who pulled back the curtain and stepped into history to show us what Jesus is like, to serve us out of his love for us. And that's what we do with the people around us. We look for needs. We look for what's going on. We take our eyes off of ourselves, and we focus on the needs and interests of the people around us. That, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what we're going to be celebrating as we uh, walk through the weeks ahead. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few moments uh, but first, I wanted to suggest 
some next steps. And you may be, you know, have some other things in mind that God's laid on your heart to do, but I just wanted to give some suggestions because as we listen to the scripture and step out to do it, then our understanding grows. So first of all, uh, you might want to memorize Mark 10:45. We didn't look at this this morning, but it's a, a, a great summary of Jesus and why he came. Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what we're called to do, to serve. Uh, you can read in the verses right before that about that. Uh, second, serve someone today as one of the king's people. Just look for a need, see a need, and serve. Try, try to help. Third, once a week until Christmas, I want to ask God to help me take on the nature of a servant and serve. I, I, need, I need his help. If I'm going to be a servant and take on the nature of a servant, I need God's help to do that. Because natively, I don't want to. And so I'm saying at least once a week, ask God to help you with that over this Christmas season to take the nature of a servant. And then finally, you may not be convinced. I mean, as you read Hebrews, you look at Isaiah, there are some amazing claims, some fantastic claims about who Jesus is. You may not be yet convinced that he is who he is or that God is real, pray. You, this could be a next step that you could take. Ask God to show you that he is amazing and real, just to show you how, how real he is. If you seek him, he put us here on this earth to seek him and find him. If you seek God, you ask him for help in turning on the lights, he will do that. He will help you. But you, you've got to seek him. You, you've got to get, get your questions answered and, and really set out to find find out about him. Uh, so those are some next steps you could take. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll continue with our worship. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for who you are, because you are good, you are righteous, you are just, you are holy. You are, you are so pure that everything in comparison to you is impure. You, you are, you are uh, such a great God. You're kind and merciful and gracious. And because of that, if we'll set our heart to let you rule, we can experience good in this life. And Father, I, I ask for your help in this, that you would help us to turn from our own ways and set our heart to do uh, your will to take on the very nature of a servant and serve and find the blessing in that, God. I, I ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.